And so again, thanks for coming in. And um, maybe if you could just start off by giving us a, a brief history and how you found yourself into be friends. And so, you know, maybe you'll come off as a little less long, less daunting and scary than your average tax professional. Okay. I, I promise I'm, I'm, I'm friendly. Um, and I do not, do not represent the IRS tonight at all. Um, so I've been following Gary Vaynerchuk for a long time, um, going all the way back to his, his very first wine library days when he was one of the, the very first, um, people on YouTube who, who really exploded on YouTube um, and been following him for years, off and on, you know, different levels of, of following him. Uh, but back in, oh, I don't know, March or April, caught a couple posts of, of his about NFTs and his Discord and uh, jumped in there probably at the end of April, a couple of weeks right before he was ready to launch. And got really, really excited about NFTs as, as I started to do some of my own research, as he suggests. And um, I was in uh, buying NFTs, buying his V friends in the first three days. Um, I've, I hold four cores, a very rare, and uh, two specs. And one of my specs is the beautiful practical peacock. And if I, if I tell you the names of my V friends, they all kind of fall in line with who I am and what I've been doing for a long time, uh, accounting and, and CFO services. So the very first one I saw that I knew I had to buy was Accountable Ant, of course. Um, I own a Kind Kudo, a Grateful Gar, an offense-oriented orangutan. My very rare is um, Balanced Beetle. Beetle. Um, my other spec is, is a bubblegum uh, big game bandicat. So that's where I'm coming from on the reference side. And, and uh, thanks to David, I found this uh, clubhouse about three weeks ago, uh, well, maybe a month ago, and have really enjoyed being a part of this as well. Excellent. You did very well on Mint, my friend. Good work there. Um, Tim, I'm sure you have a a disclaimer of your own, but, um, you know, earlier when you're mentioning, like, there's a lot of tax advice going around and, and, you know, most of it you should probably, you know, take with a very small grain of salt. And so when it comes to, um, you know, the things you're going over tonight, is there anything that we should, that we should keep in mind? Um, so that you know we can we can take all of this info responsibly and then and then act on it correctly yeah um if if you have my handout there is a disclaimer at the bottom of the handout um, on each page <clears throat> excuse me and it just says this presentation is for informational purposes only not intended to provide no it should be relied on for tax legal or accounting advice of course, you should consult your own tax and legal advisors regarding your particular situation and the details surrounding all your own particular transactions. So what I'm going through tonight are the basics. Um, 
and I'm going to present them as basics. Uh, you know, how do you account for a single transaction? Many of us have, and I think as you'll see in the presentation tonight, you have more transactions than you're aware of. Um, and you just need to make sure that you're working with your CPA and gathering all those transactions and you know you're welcome to share this handout with your CPA if he starts to or she starts to look at you a little cross-eyed when you start talking about cryptocurrency and NFTs. Uh, I think it will give them a comfort level that they understand the basics and can help you with the details of your transactions. Tim, I got a I got a question right off the bat, and I'm sure there'll be many, so I'll I'll reserve the rest for later. But if you're if you sit down with your CPA and you start talking NFT tax implications, and they start to look at you cross-eyed, should you find a different CPA? Yeah, I mean that's that's your decision, maybe. But but I will tell you, like if you Google cryptocurrency CPA near me. You're probably not going to find very many. Um, they're they're few and far between. Um, but you certainly could start interviewing some CPAs and see if they have any experience at all in dealing with with cryptocurrencies in in the whole space. And ideally, if if we're looking into that, which you know, the sooner the better, right? The sooner we can do it before the end of the year, the better. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say start. You know, take take what you you gather from tonight and start doing your, you know, start doing your work, start doing your homework, start looking back over the year and, and tracking your own transactions. And I've got a couple tips on some software to use as well. Um, but don't wait until April 1st to start talking to your CPA about it. And don't wait until April 1st to start gathering your information. Get on it now or get on it in the next couple of weeks and, and give yourself an idea where you stand. If you do, in, in fact, have several transactions or if you've actually sold a VFRAN, chances are you've got a pretty decent capital gain there. And you need to be aware of what that is, how much you're going to be taxed on it so that you're not surprised come April. Yeah, I know some something that's in the back of my head is, and and one of the reasons why I'm I'm looking to speak to a CPA as soon as possible, is you know I have multiple V friends and I flipped a bunch of other V friends in order to get to where I am, and so there's a bunch of uh, capital gains, um, you know from those from those flips, and talking to a CPA now, they can help me determine whether I actually might need to sell another V friend in order to cover the taxes from the flips. So I think, you know, suffice to say, like Tim, like Tim said, the sooner you can talk to a CPA, the better, because they can help you figure out what your tax implications will be sooner, and you can do with that information what you need. Yeah, and, and one thing that, that, as I'm thinking about it, that's not in my outline that probably should have been, it's not, passed into law yet, but I would say it's about a 95% chance that capital gains taxes, long-term capital gains taxes will be higher in 2022. Um, so just as part of tax planning, do you want to, if you're thinking about selling another V friend, for instance, David, to cover taxes, are you better off selling that in December 
as opposed to waiting till April when you actually need the money. Now, there's also market considerations there as well. Will the VFRAM be worth more as we get closer to, to VCON? You know, that's a personal decision and a personal call on that. But it is something to consider that capital gains transactions, long-term capital gains transactions, will most likely be higher next year. I just want to reiterate for anyone that's not in the know about this outline and this this PDF that's that's being referenced during this call. It was put together by Tim and can be found in the Spectacular VFT Holders Discord, which can be found in my Twitter bio. Um, and I've pinned the message, so the PDF is in the pinned messages just in general. Okay. Davis, I think I'll just start going through that. I, I think what I'd like to do is fly through that, that outline, my talking points, maybe 10, 15 minutes, um, and then open up for any questions. Uh, if, if you have questions on some of the early information I'm presenting, just sit tight. It might be answered later in the presentation. And I also may, uh, after about five minutes or so, just check back with you, Davis, and, and make sure I'm still being heard. Sounds like a plan, Tim. Thanks. Okay, so what I want to cover is, is kind of go over how the IRS looks at cryptocurrency, how they think about cryptocurrency, and what, uh, what opinions or information have they put out about it already. We're going to talk about how to capture your crypto capital gains and losses, um, the distinction between short-term and long-term. And also, once, you're, uh, once you own any cryptocurrency and you start trading or selling cryptocurrency, what are your options for capturing the cost basis? Because there's some real planning opportunity there and some opportunity to, to lower your capital gains tax. And then finally, uh, what everybody's here for is we'll get it to the end on NFTs tax treatment, which is a little bit different different than than regular cryptocurrency gains and losses so the irs back in uh, <clears throat> 2014 the first time they actually acknowledged that cryptocurrency is a thing they came out with and in the in the notice i give you the actual irs uh, or in the outline i give you the actual irs notice i know that like to do their own deep research and if you just google that you'll find it um, they declared cryptocurrency, Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever cryptocurrency, the Dogecoin, all those are treated as property for tax purposes, which means you buy and sell property and you report capital gains and losses based on a cost basis in that property and the sales proceeds you sell it for. And then in 2019, the IRS came out with revenue ruling 2019-24, which kind of further moved cryptocurrency in alignment with equities and other capital assets for tax purpose, purposes. Uh, they issued the ruling to clear up the taxation on hard forks and airdrops in cryptocurrency. Um, which we're not going to get into tonight, but just so you know, if, there, if you own a crypto and there is a hard fork and you end up with an airdrop of a new coin in your wallet, that's actually a taxable transaction. 
but we're not going to get into that <laughs> tonight. Um, then part of that um, revenue ruling was a whole series of FAQs, which they addressed all the questions that had come up since 2014 on how you treat uh, cryptocurrency gains and losses, which is what the rest of the presentation is about. Um, so the IRS seems to be very concerned about proper taxpayer reporting of crypto transactions, um, and that's been proved on the 2020 tax return. Hopefully you all saw this at the very top of page one of the 1040, right underneath your name and address information, there's a question, and I'm just going to read it verbatim. At any time during 2020, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? And your choices there are yes or no. So when I first saw that, my jaw hit the floor. I've never seen anything like that as a blatant question to, and I don't want to say trap, but I think a lot of taxpayers could easily get trapped by that. If you ignore it and don't answer it, you can't e-file your tax return. If you ignore it and don't answer it on a paper filed tax return, you're kind of raising an audit flag for yourself. Um, also, in recent years, exchanges like Coinbase have been required to issue users 1099 tax forms, just like Morgan Stanley, J.D. Edwards, and all the other major equity exchanges are required to issue 1099s to taxpayers. So, if you answered no on that 1040 question, and you subsequently got a 1099-B reporting transactions, the IRS can prove there's intentional tax evasion. That's the only thing I'm going to say that I'm going to try and scare any of you that might think about, oh, they can't trace my cryptocurrency, they can't, they can't trace me on Coinbase, they can't trace my MetaMask. They're after it, and they're looking for it. Um, and let me just read another quote here that's at the bottom of the outline, but I think it's appropriate here. And this is a quote from um, from Sean Hunley from Tax Reuters Tax and Accounting, uh, Thomson Reuters Tax and Accounting. They're one of the major um, um, information houses for CPAs and, and attorneys. And this is the quote. The, and this was um, about last February, I think. Uh, the IRS is very much focused right now on the enforcement of crypto, both from a criminal perspective and also from tax avoidance civil perspective. They've been doing a lot with crypto enforcement, so maybe they don't have time right now to look at NFTs. And this was from a question about NFTs that was asked of him. So maybe they don't have time right now to look at NFTs, but I think they will as these get more popular and I think they will get more popular, they're going to start looking at it. So right now, they really don't have a way to chase your, to, to trace your activity on, on um, OpenSea, but I don't think that's far from coming. Um, so that's that, and that's the IRS's perspective on it all, and that's, uh, you know, that's how they're looking into it and where their mindset is. Um, oh, one last point, probably the most important point on NFTs. 
the IRS has been quiet so far with guidelines on the taxation of NFTs um, because they're brand new and it takes the IRS a while to catch up. Because they've been so popular this year, it wouldn't surprise me if sometime in 2020, 2022, there's some sort of IRS notice or some sort of revenue ruling um, recognizing NFTs uh, and what type of taxable transaction those are. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. So report crypto capital gain, reporting crypto capital gains and losses. The IRS looks at them as capital assets. So you really kind of treat them in the same manner as you would stocks and equities. Um, David in here uh, uh, and I had a conversation a couple of days ago, and he actually pointed out to me there's a loophole on wash sales. Um, so what that is is uh, well, well, I'll come back to that. David, remind me to come back to that at the end of this. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out. There is a loophole, but for the most part, for 90% of it, they're treated as though they're equities or stocks. So what does that mean? The proceeds from a sale. If you sell a Bitcoin, the proceeds minus your cost basis in that Bitcoin or Ethereum is considered a capital gain and loss. And that all gets reported on Schedule D and Form 8949. Uh, those are some details you probably don't need, but I'll throw that out there. Um, the cost basis and holding period are established from the date of purchase or receipt in a trade. So the initial purchase of the crypto itself, if you just went out today and bought Bitcoin and that's your first transaction ever in cryptocurrency, that itself is not a taxable transaction, but it's simply the marker to establish the holding period starting today. And your cost basis is what you paid for that today, plus any um, fees that you might have paid to an exchange and or gas. So your cost basis includes uh, transaction expenses as well. So every trade or sell is a taxable event. Notice the word trade. So obviously when you buy Bitcoin and you sell Bitcoin, you have a taxable transaction. There's a gain or loss there. And the holding period is determined as short term or long term. If you've held that asset for less than a year, it's short term. If you've held that asset for more than a year, it's long term and you're afforded some long-term gains and uh, long-term gain tax rates, which in the outline I cover, and, and we'll talk about that briefly. But also notice the word trade. So what that means is if you bought Ethereum, let's say the day before you went out to buy an NFT, or if you bought Ethereum on May 1st, anticipating you were going to buy a vFriend during the Dutch auction, as soon as you trade that Ethereum out of your MetaMask for an NFT, that in itself is a taxable transaction. So the value of the Ethereum at that date, when you traded it for an NFT, that's your proceeds. That's how you establish the proceeds for the gain or loss. Um, and any other crypto that you use to buy anything, any asset, is actually a taxable transaction. I think many of us know about the famous Bitcoin purchase back in, I don't even remember what year it was, 
when they bought a, a pizza. Well, that transaction of spending that Bitcoin to buy a pizza was actually a taxable transaction. The proceeds was the value of the pizza that they bought. So they had a cost basis in that Bitcoin, and the proceeds are the value of what you received when you traded it. So one thing I realized uh, about a week ago that never really hit me, uh, and I don't know why, but every time any of us convert Ethereum, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, to wheat, wrapped Ethereum, that's a taxable transaction because you've traded that asset for a different form of an asset. So that just furthers the, the complexity of all this. Many of us have so many transactions involved in, Bit, in, in cryptocurrency that we really don't even think about because you go on about your business day to day or week to week. So most of us really need to engage with some sort of app to attach to our wallets to help us track all those transactions. The one that I like the most is called Coin Tracker. Um, there's one called Taxbit. There's a couple other, but those are the two top um, top reviewed and, and, and best that I'm aware of. What I don't like about Taxbit is that it has a hard time connecting to a hard wallet. Coin Tracker seems to work pretty smooth on connecting to a hard wallet. Now with Taxbit, you can do an export of, of uh, an Excel file and import it, but to me, that's too much work. I'd rather just have it connect and, and track all those transactions inside that wallet. Um, talked about, I'm just looking at my outline here. We talked about the holding period for short-term versus long-term. Um, if... Now, if any of us have sold a B-Friend, this probably isn't the case, but I guess it could be. If you have a net capital gain loss for the year, let's say your timing was horrible and you actually do have some losses and your net for the year after everything's flushed out is a $10,000 net loss on the year, you're only allowed in the current year to deduct up to $3,000 in capital gain losses and the rest sit on the side and carry over to future years to offset future gains or losses. So I just wanted to throw that one fact out there. If you're trying to create a huge loss for your tax return, cryptocurrency transactions fall under Schedule D, which is capital gains and losses, gains and losses, and you're only allowed a max $3,000 deduction per year. Any excess carry over, carries over to future years. Um, so long-term capital gain, why is that a distinguishing difference and why does it matter? It's lower tax rates. And it, there, there are several brackets here, and I'll just fly through the married filing joint bracket. If your income is under $80,800 for 2022, you pay zero in capital gain taxes on those transactions. If your income is between eighty dollars and $500,000, the max capital gains tax rate is 15%. If you're over 500,000, and those are rough numbers, there's a little pocket change involved there. But if you're over 500,000, your capital gains rate is 20%. That top capital gains rate, so those 15 and 20%, is what is most likely to go up in 2022 to 20 and 25%. Unfortunately, it's a big target um, right now for the Democrats. 
Um, all right, let's talk about crypto cost basis methods. How do you identify the actual asset that you're selling? And here's, this was part of what came out in the IRS revenue ruling 2019-24 was they said that we're going to allow two methods to track your cryptocurrency cost basis. The given method is FIFO, first in, first out. So the first asset purchased is the first one that's sold. You really don't have any choice if that's what you're following. It's a simple method of first in, first out. The IRS loves FIFO. It's easy to apply. And especially in cryptocurrency world or in the NFT world, it's going to typically result in higher taxes sooner. The second method is called specific identification cost basis assignment. Specific identification cost basis assignment. And it is exactly what it sounds like. You go through your portfolio and you identify this Bitcoin I bought in 2020 on May 1st is what I'm selling today on October 5th, 2021. Obviously, in that situation, you're going to probably want to identify newer assets to sell today to result in a lower tax basis and hold those lower cost basis assets to defer taxes. You, um, the first year that you have any transactions in Bitcoin is the first year that you establish which method you're using. And unfortunately, if you use the FIFO method in an earlier year, you're supposedly stuck with that method for lifetime. So since this is the first year that a lot of people are involved in any sort of a taxable transaction in cryptocurrency, it's going to probably be, well, probably, uh, most likely, 99% chance it's going to be in your best interest to use specific identification cost basis. Okay. Well, let me just check in and make sure I'm not blabbing and not being hurt. Davis, am I still good? You're loud and clear, uh, for better or for worse, Tim. This is all uh, feeling pretty heavy. Um, okay. okay. Man, the so far the the ETH to 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 WEATH transfer is what what's really rubbing me the wrong way. Yeah, that just hit me like a ton of bricks about a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, I'm not sure why I never even thought about it because I've done it. Gosh, probably twenty, thirty times. Right. Well, and it's another like uh, mark against accepting WEATH offers, right? Because if you accept a WEATH offer on OpenSea, you pay the gas, you pay the royalties, and then you're going to pay the taxes to unwrap it. Right. Right. I mean, then, yeah, if, you, if you're hey. sitting on it for any period of time and it, and it appreciates, you know, ETH appreciates its value. Yeah. So in that, in that scenario, Tim, um, let's say you unwrap the weath like the second after you get it, and there's no appreciation in the value of Ethereum. That would just be a wash, right? Because you, the taxable events already occurred during the sale. Right, correct. And a lot of these transactions, the the, the taxable gain or loss, that difference is going to be minuscule. So let's say, say for instance, you buy ETH today load it to your Metamax and go buy an NFT. Well, the chance of any gain or loss in that is just whatever the market fluctuated today while you held it before you went and bought the NFT. So um, 
what I did uh, back in May when I realized I really want to get in there and buy some bee friends, I was already in ETH holding. I put on all new, you know, money into my Coinbase and bought all new ETH, and that's what I'm identifying as what I used to buy bee friends because I didn't want to use ETH that I've held for three or four years to go buy a bee friend and trigger a big taxable gain. So hopefully that made sense. Let me get into quickly NFT tax treatment, and then we'll we'll open it up to questions. Um, so like I said, the IRS has has been quiet so far on any guidelines on NFTs. In my opinion, and in the opinion of almost all tax practitioners that I've been studying and reading up on over the last you know several months, is that it's likely they'll be treated as a collectible. But right now, that's anything but clear. Um, the IRS is, you know, when the IRS is, is silent, you rely on general tax principles. And as a practitioner, that's what I have to rely on um, when there's no clear guidance on exactly how you treat something that's unique or new. So that's how I've been approaching it as a tax professional, is that NFTs are collectibles. They're not an equity. So what does that mean? Why is there any difference? There's a difference in collectibles, long-term capital gains rates. So even though it's a collectible, it's still treated as property and it's still reported on Schedule B8949, it's still reported as capital gains and losses, but it's given a specific classification as a collectible and it's a higher long-term capital gain rate. So if we held, if you held your V friend uh, until let's say next June sometime, and then sold it, that's a long term. If you bought it in May on the on the drop, well, the long term capital gain rate is 28% for collectibles. That's the highest rate. So once you're in a tax bracket that's higher than 28%, that long term capital gain is capped at 28% on those collectibles. In the meantime, until you get up to that high, that bracket that's higher than 28%, you just pay the tax on that gain in whatever bracket you're in. That's, uh, that's a long-winded uh, explanation. It is easier to see when you're actually looking at numbers, um, but that I hope that's clear. Now, why is it? why do we consider it a collectible? I gave in the outline a list of examples of what a collectible is. It's artwork. It's rare stamps, rare coins, baseball cards, antiques. And if you look at generally what NFTs are, they're a collectible. And people are, are, are buying and selling them like they would, like Gary buys and sells baseball cards. Now, there is some utility to them. And I can see in the future where the IRS could be convinced that there's different classes of NFTs and maybe some are collectibles and some are something else. But in the meantime, I'm using my, uh, my uh, you know, print, general tax principles as, as a practitioner. And, and really, I, I wouldn't be uncomfortable at looking them at anything else other than a collectible. How will the IRS look at NFTs in the future? I really don't know. Um, but I think there's a very good chance they'll treat them as collectibles. Um, 
You know, I think that's a good stopping point. In the handout, I, I have a sample transaction, but I don't think that's that's uh, will work very well to try and go through that here in the clubhouse. So I guess I'll open up for questions. Tim, did you want to go back to? Did you want to circle back on the the loophole you mentioned? Oh, the wash sale. Okay. So a wash sale is in, in a wash sale applies to to stocks and other equities. David, I'm trying to um, trying to come up with your example, but sure, so, I, I can I can outline it real quick if you want. Right. So so I ended up um, I ended up selling a very rare kind kudu for what was it 16 ETH yes I'm an idiot I sold the too cheap whatever so I sold it for 16 ETH I netted four I netted 14 and um, that was when Ethereum was at four thousand dollars so at the time of sale and Tim you can go back and correct any of this if it's wrong at the time of sale the the ETH was worth four thousand dollars times 14 equals whatever and that's the total sale price in U.S. dollars. Then, as we all know, and this was just a week or two ago, then as we know, ETH dropped from 4000 to below 3000 So what I was thinking about doing was doing a wash sale. I would sell the ETH that I received at $4,000 and sell it at $2,850 or something around there, um, which would result in a loss, um, which would low, which would which I would be able to push up against the gains from the sale and lower my my taxable um, my taxable income for the year. But I'll, Tim, I'll let you uh, take. Right. So you can do that with crypto. And David, I found some references where you can you can actually do that with cryptocurrency. Wash sale rules do not apply to cryptocurrency because they're not technically equities. So if you did the same thing, let's say you. Let's say you bought Tesla at its height when it was 900 bucks a share. And a month later or two months later or whatever it was, it's down to 700 a share. You could, if you wanted to create some losses, the idea would be, well, I'll just sell that those Tesla stock. I still believe in it and I'll buy it right back. And I'm holding it at a lower tax basis. And in the meantime, I've created some loss. Well, with equities, that's called a wash sale. You cannot do that. You have to wait 30 days to buy it back. Otherwise, it's kind of a null and void transaction for the for capital gains loss purposes. So that was the loophole. And uh, I hope that makes sense. But in David's situation, he can do that and create some loss by selling the the and the, the ETH at a lower cost basis than what he acquired it for and uh, use some of that loss to offset the gain on the nft and the piece that i missed was i was gonna i was gonna buy it right back and like tim mentioned with um with equities you can't do that for 30 days but with crypto since the irs hasn't you know come out with those stringent rules um i could just buy it right back and keep the the losses and push it up against uh, the gains for the year Seems I put everybody to sleep. 
Or wide awake, Tim. They're just people, uh, yeah, go ahead, Sam. I just think people aren't trying to talk over anyone else. Yeah, um, so I have a burning question that's been on my mind for a couple months now. Um, and I know you mentioned it in the PDF very briefly, but it's about trading NFTs. And I know you mentioned that it's uh, pretty messy right now, how to determine the value. Um, but my scenario, uh, I'll just walk through it real quick with you, is that I had minted an Epic Shrewd Sheep at 2.5 ETH, and then I had bought a Tidy Troll at 4.75 ETH, so a total like 7.25 ETH. And those gained in value, and then I traded both of them for a Lava Shrewd Sheep. Um, later on in July. And at that time, the Epic Shrewd Sheep was maybe around 19 ETH value. Tidy Troll was 10 ETH, so 29 total. And then the floor for Specs was like 22 ETH. So I, in my mind, I essentially traded 29 ETH um, V friends for a 22 ETH V friends. In that case, how would I go about calculating my capital gains? or loss is it my uh did i have a capital gains from the 7.25 eth purchase prices to the 22 floor of the spec yeah yeah so i i'm i'm not going to follow exactly your, your prices sure. and everything that so so how it works is you you've got and the ones that you traded the ones that you bought and minted you have a cost basis right because it's clear what your cost basis is that's the eth that you spent to do that and or buy it when you trade that asset, the messy part is that you have to determine it's a capital gain transaction and your proceeds are the is the value of the asset that you're receiving. Okay. So you have to establish the value of the asset you're receiving. That's the messy part. How do you do that? How do you prove that? Right, right. Because, yeah, yeah no. IRS is so, going to know what the floor of uh, VFriend spec was in July. <laughs> right. So, I, you know, I was thinking about that. What what would I do? How would I prove that? And, and if I had enough forethought and thought about it, I would probably do, you know, two or three screenshots of the of the OpenSea floor on that on those uh, NFTs and and try and prove that you know this is what the value was of what I received. Ah, uh, that's a good you point. Know, yeah, I don't, it, it, it's it's going to be hard to, and uh, there's, I know several people are, are doing tons of trades. I don't know. I don't have a lot of good advice. Like I said, I'm not ne necessarily a, a cryptocurrency expert. You might talk to a CPA who is an expert assuming they have some expertise in NFTs. But after the fact, how you, do you go back and prove what the value is of an NFT as of the date that you traded it? And my, you know, if, if anybody else has a better idea, let me know. But I think the best thing you could do is um, do a screenshot or, or some sort of proof of what the floor was on that date. And, and as well as other transactions on that date other nft sales in that same you know of the same rarity or what have you yeah makes sense this uh this might be a little slimy but could you 
reference, you know, like a a chart, like OpenSea has charts on like what the um, price of a of a given collection is, like over, um, you know, like on the activity section, you could see V Friends in July. The average price was seven point two ETH. It, could you use that figure? And screenshot that that graph after the you know after the fact. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would give you a leg to stand on, and and that's what you're looking for is a leg to stand on. That here's you know here's a proof, and here's how I valued it. Um, IRS proved me wrong, you know, and and if you actually find an IRS agent who understands this whole thing, <laughs> I'd be. Um, but do those? So do those? charts distinguish rarity that's the only thing that no they don't that's why that's why i said it's a little bit slimy because like average price of a v friend in july of 2021 was 7.2 eth right you could probably use something like crypto slam to see what some like maybe you know if if a you know a v friend of that rarity was sold on that day you could look at crypto slam and see what a similar sale went for. Yeah, just gonna yeah, say that. I think that sounds like one of the best options right now. Tim, is there any way to, to tell the IRS like the trade that we've done is like for like and there should be no tax implications? Is there anything like that? No, no. What you would do is, you know, you're better off reporting the transaction, showing it, and and showing a zero capital gain, show your cost basis and and your proceeds as the same, but at least you're you're not ignoring the transaction. Then you're reporting it, and your your contention is that they're the same value. So the question I have for you then is, when we look at valuating. Uh, ETH on a particular day when we sell it, is it like the AT, the the high for the day, the low of the day of ETH on that transaction? Like, we're on if we sell something or we buy something, if we can't pinpoint the exact minute and know that to the cent what ETH was valued at, and we're looking back at say a chart to get like the high and low on the day, what dollar amount are we utilizing to? say this was the cost basis on this day for me you could get this on either scan yeah if you're talking about spending ETH to buy an nft that value is all calculated out on the transaction details on ether scan it gives you the actual dollar amounts and that, that there there you go right okay that makes sense thanks and tim even for other details there's a lot of stuff on the scan I think that we can use for those transactions, can we? Yeah, and that's exactly what these apps do. So these these apps, um, Coin Tracker, Taxbit, they linked attached to your wallet. They link to your wallet, and they go out and read all those EtherScan transactions, and that's how they come up with the you know the gain or loss to help you report it on your taxes. 
but does Etherscan give you the US dollar amount at that point in time, or does it give you the US dollar equivalent as it stands now? You know, if you look at those Etherscan reports, you can actually go to the dollar amount, and if you hover over it with your with your mouse, it will tell you if that's reporting in today's value, and, it, and you can click it to give it the historical value as of the date of the transaction. Ah, bingo. Okay. Yeah, that was what I was looking for right there. That's a so, Tim, we hear a lot about in these rooms and in the crypto community that a lot of people, they, they move to Puerto Rico to, to get around this type of stuff, um, at least the, cap the federal capital gains. Can you talk to a little bit about that and and you know what could make it worthwhile or and you know i'm assuming you can't like move to puerto rico and then and then like retrospectively say all of these sales now don't have capital gains right like you would have to move there and then from that point forward you're not incurring the the capital gains taxes is it kind of just like a, a pipe dream that you move to Puerto Rico and, and pay a lot less taxes? Or is it actually a viable method of, of um, tax strategy? I, I don't think it's a pipe dream. I think it's real. And I could talk about it if I knew anything at all about Puerto Rico taxes. And I don't. So sorry, I wish I could be of more help there. Um, I have zero clients in Puerto Rico. Uh, and I live in Kansas City, and that's a long ways away from here. Um, so I really don't know, but I think there is some validity to it. But I, And I think the, the bottom line is, do you really want to live in Puerto Rico, number one? And number two, how long do you have to live there to be considered a resident? And does it work if you actually still have a domicile back in the U.S.? You know, those are all things that I'm in no way a Puerto Rico tax expert. Fair enough. I think that we shouldn't really need to move there if we can create a corp. And I don't know if it would be a shell company, but as a director in a corp, would it be possible to save taxes and not necessarily living there, but the corporation is made in another country? Or um, So I've, I've seen some of those ideas thrown out there in Discord. And, and Wyoming seems to be a popular one or, or form your corp in Delaware because there's no state tax. You know, all the, if it's an LLC or an S corp, the only th way that any of that works is, is if you're actually a resident of that state without any taxes. So if you live in Florida, great, you're not gonna pay any state tax on the capital gains. If you live in Wyoming, Great, go ahead and form an LLC and you're not going to pay any taxes on state taxes uh, on those capital gains. Um, forming a C Corp, a regular corporation to hold your cryptocurrency assets. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim I really don't know how that would work or or why you would ever want to do that and hold property in a C Corp. Generally speaking, it's a bad idea to hold property in a C-Corp. Um, 
And, and I think there really has to be a, an actual business purpose for the C-Corp other than holding assets. Fair enough. Hi, guys. I'm just jumping in. I wasn't sure if there's an order, but I have a two-part question. Um, and you guys may have talked about it a little bit earlier. I wasn't on. So I sold um, one of mine uh, for 35 ETH probably cost me three and at that point it ETH was around uh, 3,800 I didn't sell ETH I just held it and of course today that same ETH is you know not the same amount it's lower but say say I had it today and it was 2,000 and I still didn't cash out of it and then I reinvested that ETH into another NFT am I paying for that value of the ETH of the day that I sold, or as long as I don't cash out, I don't have to worry about it. Am I, because it's an ETH um, versus dollar because I never cashed out. Okay. So let's, let's walk through that real okay. slowly. Um, when you sold for 45. 35. Yeah. 45, whatever. So that NFT, that transaction, that NFT has a capital gain. Of 32. Right. Now you now own ETH on that day, and that ETH has a cost basis of what you received. You know, the dollar value of what you received is your cost basis in that ETH as of that day. So if your cost basis in that ETH is somewhere around 3,800, and let's say it's it's you spend 10 ETH of that to buy a new NFT today, you're going to realize a capital loss on that ETH because as soon as you spend that ETH today, that's another trans taxable transaction because you've traded the ETH for a new NFT. So that ETH has the cost basis that was established when you sold the NF the old NFT at a high rate. When you use it to buy a new NFT, you have a proceeds that's calculated on the value of that ETH today. That's a simple, okay. simple analysis. There's going to be transaction expenses on both ends of that that you want to take into account. But those are all things that these apps help you track. And they're not so very expensive. So then what if I never spent that ETH? So I, I have my profits of 32 ETH. Say, you know, the ETH is, is a lot less than today than it was when I received those ETH and I never cash out. Do I have to do anything or report anything because I've never taken cash out? No, that, that ETH has a cost basis established when you sold the NFT. And if all you do is hold it, there's nothing to report until you one sell the ETH for fiat okay. to bring money back into your bank account, okay. or you spend, or you spend the ETH to buy an NFT. Both of those selling or trading are taxable transactions. Okay, so essentially, if I'm just doing it and I want to save my ETH forever, I can, and I don't have to pay taxes until the time comes or I do something else with it. Right. But you do have a taxable transaction on the NFT. For the selling. Right. Okay. 
Okay. Thank you. Tim, I just want to clarify a point from Carrie's question. So let's say, Carrie, let's say you have zero dollars to your name and all you had was that NFT, right? You bought it for three, you sold it for 38 and you have zero US dollars to your name. In that case, because of the taxable, taxable gain from the sale of that NFT, you would actually, I mean, unless you had other assets, you would have to sell some of that ETH to pay your taxes. Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. But am I paying taxes on the value of the ETH on the day that it sold, even though today it's half the price of when it was and I never cashed out? No, you're two, two different transactions. So you have a taxable transaction on the NFT, and that capital gain is going to be taxed. And what David is saying, if you have no other way to cover the tax on that except to liquidate some ETH, to help you pay the taxes. And let's say you liquidate the ETH today to help you cover the tax bill. You're actually at a tax advantage because you're creating some loss today by liquidating that ETH. So that loss will offset some of the gain on the NFT. And then you'll have the fiat as well today to help you cover the tax. So so both ends of that have to be analyzed if you yeah. want to come up with what your total tax hit's going to be on it. And yeah. that's what these apps do. I'm telling you, you got to go. If you have more than one or two transactions, the, these apps really help you understand where you are today, what's my total tax exposure, and what kind of tax planning can I do between now and the end of the year? And what do I have to come up with in April? I just want to ignore the taxes until they ask about it. <laughs> in a fantasy world, like I've had so many transactions and it's just, I mean, of course, it's an amazing space to be in and I'm thankful for it. It's just very intricate. I think eventually we're just going to be turning in our blockchains, there's going to be no, no need for an audit. That's all they're going to take from us. I don't think so. I don't think so. They're, they're, I mean, they, they talked about that type of scenario with brokerage houses as well, and it's never happened. Um, but what I do think you need to do is get your hands around, um, well, one, a couple things. I would highly recommend investing in an app. I probably said that too many times. But no, I'm for definitely going to do that. Yeah, for many people, your 2020 tax return may be the first year that you engage a CPA. And it, it probably is a good idea. Um, you know, that's just another, uh, you know, expense of the, the experience of, of, you know, incurring gains and, and making money on NFTs. Right. Well, too. Thank you so much. Good question, Carrie. Thanks. It was helpful helpful for me to hear and uh, kind of work over a real world, um, you know, taxable event. For sure. Um, so, Tim, what happens if you know we're we're 
trading in or and or dealing with multiple wallets if i transfer eth or an nft from one wallet to the next and i and i have control over both of these wallets is does that get taxed somehow no great 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 question davis and i may have skipped over that in the presentation no so just transferring like from your coinbase to your metamask so that you have the eth in there to be able to buy an nft those transfers between wallets are not taxable transactions and then i can Only i can write that the transaction fee as an expense correct yeah that's a good question you mean like the gas and any other fee? Yeah, yeah, because I spent some money on some gas in my day. And I'm hoping to write that puppy off. I don't have a good answer for you on that, honestly. Let me um let me see what I can find on that. Taking uh Davis's question as well, um, what would happen if you transfer these to a friend? Uh, and that friend then transferred the exact same amount back. You're not the owner of that wallet. Um, would a transfer to another individual and back be considered um, a taxable event too? So it depends on how you're you're classifying that. If you're if you're calling it a gift, you're gifting. Um, It'd be no different than if you gifted $5,000 to a friend. That's not a taxable transaction. And that other person inherits your cost basis and holding period as part of that gift. So then if they turn right around and gift it back to you, I don't really understand why that would happen. But if they did, then the cost and holding period transfers right back to you and that would be a gift back and that's not a tax and it's not seen as lending at zero percent interest not if you term it a gift yeah that's fine Tim, let's say, God forbid, somebody gets scammed and they lose their V-friend. Are they able to write off the full value on as of the day it was taken from them to put against their taxes for the year? Or would it only be, let's say that's their only loss, would they only be able to utilize 3000 in, in that tax? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It would, it would be, first of all, it would be part of your capital gains and losses. Um, um, The, the cost basis is the loss. Um, unless you can prove a theft loss, um, which is a whole other different area of, of IRS rules on how you treat um, casualty losses, theft losses, um, no different than if uh, your house was flooded and you had a casualty loss. There's a whole set of rules around that uh, that I won't even try to get into here. Um, but you would you would kind of have to be able to prove that 
you know, there was a theft and you would have to somehow, you know, get an expert valuation on what was actually lost. Awesome. Thank you. Dom, did you have a question? I think I saw you on mute before. Yeah, it kind of followed, sorry, it kind of followed with the, the transfer thing. Like if, if I transfer ETH to somebody in a trade, say for example, if I transfer ETH uh, to another wallet and that wallet transferred me an NFT back, that's basically my cost basis on that transaction, right? I could say that that NFT is worth whatever I transferred to that wallet. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what you're, you're buying that asset for the ETH that, that you're sending over. Yeah, that's your cost basis in the NFT. Okay, because I did some, did some shady deals that I was really hoping that it went through and I got lucky and I didn't get scammed. So at least I can look for it and see, you know, at least I know my exact cost basis on the transactions because they happened like right after the other. I transfer the ETH and he gives me the NFT. So at least I have, I know exactly what happened at the time. So that helps. All right. Yeah, I would just go to the ether scan on that on that transfer to the other to the other to the seller. And Dom, NFT trader, bro. NFT trader. I know, I know. But you know you try to save a couple dollars, man. You try to trust the guy and then so now you're sweating the whole time. <laughs> That's totally fair when V friends were worth like five ETH, not anymore. Very true. Very true. Yeah, so so Matt's kind of asking a similar question on the Discord. If if a trade occurs off of OpenSea, just peer to peer, uh, does that trade still follow under the same rules as um, any trade on OpenSea? And and could you could you consider it as a as gifting an NFT to another person or? Uh, no, if you're, if you're trading NFTs, if you and I say, you know, we each have a core and we like each other's core and we want to trade them, then, you know, you're just, hmm. I think all you all you have there is just an exchange of cost basis. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing, right? Cause like. What if I know that that like token just sold for something crazy and I just like, oh, I really like that token and we swap. Like, wouldn't I have a cost basis for that token based on the swap? Or is that like where they watch just because of the same kind of. Explain that situation to me. Walk me through that. So how I got this rabbit, right? I had someone purchase the rabbit. I found a buyer from my from my from my uh, bubblegum brilliant barb, okay? And instead I had him buy the rabbit for 30 Ethereum. Then after he bought the rabbit, I traded him my barb for his rabbit. Right? So the rabbit cost 30 ETH on that transaction that he did. 
and then we swapped the barb and the rabbit. Is that taxable or is that just a swap? Yeah, I think what you've got there is a taxable transaction. Because right, you have taxable. Yeah, because you have a cost basis in your NFT that's probably lower than what the current value of it is today, but that still right. doesn't matter. You, you traded that and exchanged that for a new asset. So you have a capital gain on that transaction. That's what I'm saying. So even though it's an even trade today, like my spec for his spec, it wasn't an even trade based on my cost basis when I purchased my my. Yeah, I think that's an up. I'm sorry, but I think that's an uphill argument. You're trading two different, two distinct assets, one for another. You have a, a holding period and a cost basis in your asset, and you're trading that for something of, it's of similar value today, but the value in the asset that you hold, that you're holding today, prior to the trade has increased in value. So you're exchanging that. They're two distinct assets. You have a capital gain transaction. That would be my approach, in my opinion, as a practitioner. You might get a different answer bouncing it off your CPA. No, that makes sense. Makes sense. Jeremy, uh, you also have a question about along the similar veins, gifting and profits. Yeah, thank you, Davis. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy speaking. And thank you, Tim. I've only been in the room for about five minutes. I've already learned so much. I'm really looking forward to the, uh, the playback. Um, my question, maybe I have two questions. My first question is about if I was gifted one ETH and I immediately liquidated it to fiat, um, is my, what, what profits am I, what, what, what short-term capital gains am I due for if it was like relatively instant, if like it was transferred to me at say around the 3,400 and I, and I immediately converted to fiat as a gift. Um, am I just paying the capital gains on that, that like fractional percentage increase or what? So how, how gifts work is if you're gifted an asset, you assume the cost basis and holding period from the gift door. So you would have to get that information from whoever gifted it to you. And then that's your cost basis. And whenever you convert that to fiat, then that's, that's a taxable transaction based on the cost basis that you were gifted. So if they purchased it at $2,000 within the last year and I, converted to fiat at 3400 within a year of their purchasing it my, i pay profits on the 1400 as short-term capital gains is that correct 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 got it so and is it is it basically the same for an nft like someone someone gifted me a punks comic um at the time they were selling for like six or seven ETH, but they purchased it for two so i assume their cost base of two and, and and their holding period, so that becomes long-term capital gains. Three hundred sixty-six days after they purchased it for two ETH. Correct. Correct. And and Got if it. and if you 
and if your friend can't give you that information or they're no longer a friend, you take the worst case that the cost base was zero. Oh. Oh, can you... I guess that's my question. Well, well, I mean, that would be on the blockchain. Like, I can see when they purchased it for 2 ETH. Right. You would want to get some information from them on, you know, or, or actually get the Ether scan from them so that you have a, you know, a leg to stand on and what their cost basis and holding period is. Right. That's unknowable. It's like any equity, if you or, or, or any capital asset, if you sell it for a gain and the cost basis is unknowable, the IRS's position is you have to assume zero cost basis. Wow. So you're That's looking for, helpful. yeah. So you're looking for any information that reduces the or increases the cost base, so reduces the perceived profit, so that you're paying less from that. And worst cases. Correct. It's like a transaction. If the IRS looks at it, you got to have proof and you got to have documentation on what the cost basis was. Got it. And is in, in regards to, to fungible assets like ETH, is it is it sort of first in, first out with that? Uh, I have a much more complex situation going on with a, a, a vault wallet that I, I um, maybe I just need to coordinate with you and hire you or one of your colleagues to like look at this situation in particular but like many people contributed to a vault and so 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 the cost basis for the ETH that was disposed from that vault is based on is based on each is based on the vault taking on the cost basis and the holding period for each person when they purchase their ETH. Yeah, no, I think, I think I understand what you're talking about there, but no, <clears throat> it's not their cost basis. Um, they're actually buying into, you know, some sort of equity. So you're actually receiving the, the vault's cost basis and all that ETH coming in is the cost basis or the value of that as of the day they put it into the vault. Right, because because in the same way of buying an NFT, all investors have a have a disposal of their ETH as if it wasn't an NFT, but in this investment of a vault at the value of ETH when they sent it. Correct. And so the vault assumes so like most people most people uh, made their contributions while ETH was just sub 3,000. So now the vault is holding uh, short-term profit from the day it was received. And if it was cashed out now, it would pay, pay the difference in increase from 3,000 to wherever we're at now, like 34. Right. Correct. You got it. That's incredibly helpful, Tim. I, I owe you a, a beer. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Can I ask a follow-up to that one? Sure. Um, so Jeremy mentioned specifically getting ETH uh, and then converting it to fiat and whatever that difference is. I'm curious about the gain in ETH if it does not get converted to fiat. Say I buy some ETH or some ETH is gifted to me. That's my cost basis. And I'm just sitting on that ETH letting it ride for however long. And right. I 
you know, it go, the price of ETH goes up, but I haven't realized, I guess, quote unquote, that gain because I haven't transferred it back to fiat. Correct. Correct. Okay. You're sitting in what's called unrealized gains. Right. They're, they're not realized and taxable until you either A, liquidate it, or B, exchange that ETH for some other type of asset. So okay. It's island Bitcoin that I bought 2017 or 18 that I'm just sitting on and holding. There's some, you know, decent capital gains attached to those or unrealized gains attached to those assets, but I'm not taxed on them until or if whenever I liquidate that Bitcoin. That's actually what I was going to ask you about, too, because I have a lot when I got in in about 2016. Um, and I was like, so what, what's your best recommendation on how to manage that other than just keep it there forever? Hold, hold, hold. Um, so two things, you know, that's your call. If you want to liquidate your assets, depending on the market and, the, you know, projected future value and, and what have you. But if you're of the mind to hold your ETH and you want to buy other NFTs and you have the means outside of your current holdings to, to bring in new money to buy those NFTs, that's the best route. Because like we talked about, you can use specific identification. So when you use that, you buy the ETH today, let's say you use it next week to buy an NFT, you can specifically identify, I'm spending my newer ETH at a higher cost value to buy that NFT today. That old ETH with big unrealized gains in it is still sitting in my portfolio and I haven't incurred a gain on that. Okay. And couldn't you technically just create another wallet, like a hard wallet for yourself and, I don't know, sell an NFT for a really cheap price to yourself and move it to the other wallet and just let it sit there? I mean, who's to say that that wallet is yours or somebody else's? No, you can't create capital gain transactions within your, to yourself. No, I understand that, but I'm saying, who's to say who you sold it to? I could sell it to my brother for two ETH. I'm not going to give you advice on how to. Um, yeah, I think you're getting pretty cute there. I mean, that's the, I'll put it that that way. Okay. Hey, Tam. Richard here. Hey, yeah, uh, so, I mean, I've been buying Bitcoin since 2018 myself. Um, pretty much was not ever selling until getting into NFTs earlier this year, or exchanging, I suppose, not really set, <clears throat> selling. But when we say cost basis, I mean, when I learned Bitcoin, I mean, my mindset and what money is entirely changed. And with an infinitely inflatable currency as the United States dollar, how does our cost basis get adjusted when they've inflated the money supply 40% in a year? Does the IRS take any consideration to facts like that? Or is it just a just by the wayside that inflation is just a part of what we deal with and the Internal Revenue Service doesn't really equate it to capital gain or not? That's correct. They don't look at inflation at all. It's a simple determination of the cost basis based on the fiat that you spent when you bought it. 
and the change in the value of the fiat since then has no no impact on your cost basis in the asset. All right, thanks thanks for being here today. You've been super helpful and I'm sure everybody's getting a good piece of knowledge from you. Thank you. How we doing, Davis? Man, the IRS is savage, huh, Tim? They, they are. They are <laughs> it's crazy, you know, you, you get taxed on every possible gain that you can imagine. But then when it comes to losses, it's like, oh, three grand, that's all you get. Yeah, and they're, that's right. That's right. That, that's been a terrible law that's been around for decades. Um, and there is some hope. It, it's going to be several years down the road if it ever does happen. But there is some hope that the IRS will look at some of these altcoins and say, no, that's that's a currency. That's not a that's not a capital asset. And if that's what you're using to in all of these transactions to buy and sell other assets, you don't have to track all the gains and losses on that. But that's not the case now. Um, Everything that that is considered a capital asset, and all those transactions have to be tracked. It's it's actually a really good point because you could, in theory, say, "Hey, um, I bought some Ethereum, and I use that Ethereum to buy my everyday coffee from a coffee shop that takes Ethereum." And or I sold my NFT, and I'm using that money to buy my coffee every day. Um, does the world change in regards to this stuff when your Ethereum is less of a capital asset and more of an everyday currency like that for buying everyday goods? We can sure hope, and, and I hope it does. Um, but in the meantime, that, that's not the case. And I just I think it's kind of crazy to use your ETH and or Bitcoin to go buy other everyday assets. I don't think it happens a lot, but people who do that, it's nuts, in my opinion. Right, because at this point, if I were to go take my ETH and, I don't know, go buy a piece of property or something, I'm, I'm having to realize the capital gains based on my cost basis of the ETH. Right, it's almost like in the IRS's eyes, I've Correct. sold the ETH to dollars and then spent the dollars. That's kind of how it's taxed out. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. I was wondering how in the world buying an NFT with my ETH made it taxable. But okay, let me give you a scenario, Tim. You tell me if I'm right because I have no idea how this stuff works. I purchase one ETH for a thousand bucks, just to keep the math simple. And then ETH, the value of ETH goes up to $2,000. Right now I have an unrealized gain of $1,000. But then I spend that one ETH on an NFT. I buy an NFT for exactly one ETH. Now that extra $1,000 is now taxable. Correct. You have a taxable transaction on exchanging that ETH for another asset of $1,000. And your cost basis in the new asset, the NFT, is two thousand dollars. Right. So if I take a loss on that of a thousand dollars, I'm back to even. Or if I gain on that, if I sell it for one point five ETH, now again I have 
a game. Correct. Crazy. Tim and Tim. Oh, go ahead. Just to clear, is there any way that that could be seen or perceived by other tax people or by the IRS in a way that that would not be a gain? Is there any world where that could be? You could argue that it was not a taxable event, buying one ETH and then spending one ETH? No. No? The IRS is pretty clear on that. And in the outline, I give you the the reference points from the IRS. Um, They're pretty clear on that, that all cryptocurrency is considered uh, property. And as such, it's a capital asset. And any transactions where it's a sell or exchange a sell to liquidate or an exchange for another asset is a capital gain trend. So there's currently no form of, say, like a 1031 style exchange for cryptocurrency. Exactly what I was thinking. You would probably need to talk to your CPA on how to track all that. 1031 exchanges are very hairy, very touchy. And I won't touch them with my clients, for instance, a 1031 exchange on property, unless they're actually going through a 1031 exchange agent um, and pay a fee to have it all tracked properly. That's the only way I will report an actual real estate 1031 exchange. I can't imagine how you're going to track and prove all these 1031 exchanges if you're trying to claim that you're 1031 exchanging my ETH for an NFT. Well, they're probably two different classes of property, so it probably doesn't work. Uh ETH is a capital asset. NFT, as far as I'm concerned, and most practitioners out there, is a collectible. Is an artwork or some sort of a collectible classification. Uh So it's it's not considered a capital asset. It's a totally different classification. Correct. Okay. Now, whether you want to try and get away with that, get away, or whether you want to try and say that all my Bitcoin to Ethereum or Ethereum to Dogecoin or whatever, all those are 1031 exchanges, good luck, and good luck finding a CPA is going to help you with that. <laughs> yeah, in my experience, the, the 1031 agencies or whatever they're referred to, you pay them, but you're saving on the, on the freaking taxes anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's a wash. So, Tim, I have a question. You don't need to answer it, but in a way, uh, in your opinion, we might as well walk the line and make sure that we do things straight so we don't get red flags left and right and then start getting ripped from the inside out on the IRS. 100%. I agree with you completely. Um, you know, it's not, it's not unlike, you know, if you're, if you're betting that your NFT transactions in, uh, on ocean, ocean spray, open sea, <laughs> I got my uh, drink mixes mixed in there uh, on open sea. If you're betting that those can't be tracked by the IRS, you know, it's no different than, um, the landscaper who walks into my office and said, you know, most of my clients pay me cash, so I don't really need to report it as taxable income, do I? Yes, you do. Um, in the IRS's eyes, if you have 
any sort of a gain or any sort of an income or any sort of a compensation just because it's not reported by the other party through a 1099 or any other way doesn't absolve you from reporting it on your taxes. So I hope that helps make it a little more clear. Yes, of course. And in the and world of blockchain, honestly, it's the most trackable thing there is. Like the whole point of the blockchain, despite it being decentralized, is that every transaction is permanently recorded. Exactly. Yeah. It's immutable and it's there forever. Uh, I have a Can second question I... real quick. Um, do you have any documents for the CR? That's the IRS for Canadian. Do you have anything regards that would be similar to the IRS and your information? Really, no. My only area of expertise is, is U.S. tax. Um, but I got to believe there's some some cryptocurrency experts in, in Canada as well. I mean, I'm... Yeah, I'll find one. But uh, thank you, Tim. Yeah. Can I ask a question specific to the friends? So I think when you consider all NFT projects, the main difference with vFriends versus anything else is vFriends is actually a ticket to vCon. Does the treatment of the NFT itself change at all if the purpose of buying the NFT was to go to a conference as opposed to buying a capital asset? Yeah, that's that's a really, really good question. And, I, and I've thought a lot about that. And, and there's no, you know, I've tried to research it as well. The problem with that argument is that the ultimate value of the NFT is is far and above beyond the conference. Um, Even if you think Gary is great on stage and he's worth every penny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because you still hold an asset that is provable as an asset through a third-party exchange agent like OpenSea. Um, okay. I guess if you bought the asset and you sold it after the last conference and you said, look, it was just a ticket to a conference and I really wanted to go to that conference and it was to learn about NFTs and other stuff and meet you know, people, um, does that change any treatment? I know this only applies to V friends, of course, not other NFTs. Not in my mind, um, but that sounds like a, a conversation between you and your, your tax expert. And and then it's, it goes back to try to walk the line as smooth as possible. So if you're starting to raise flags, I don't think it's a good idea. What if it was like mine is a unicorn, so I got it so I can play Uno. I love Uno, so... What if after that? Because that is the function of it. I'm not sure I know what you're referring to. Like, my unicorn is to be able to play Uno for three years. So you're talking about, like, Once access. The access. Yeah, exactly. The access one. Like, so, like, after that, that's why I bought it. So then that's literally what it's for. It's not, like any of the other, you know, non-access um, ones. So you bought it and you've never sold it. There's no tax discussion. And unless you can say that my gaming 
is a business and I want to expense that as a business expense, there's really no tax discussion there. Got it. Well, hey, y'all. We're, uh, we're 15 minutes over, and I want to respect Tim's time. Um, Tim, I feel like I, I witnessed a, uh, a handful of people where light bulbs came on, and, and I was one of them. So, so I think that your discussion here has uh, really impacted uh, a handful of people at very least and, and helped out a lot of us. So I really appreciate it. Um, as far as uh, acknowledging your, your contribution to everyone, do you have anything to plug or, you know, I, there's already, Matt's already, who was it? Stumpy Joe's already talking about hiring you. Are you looking for new clients or should people just look for other CPAs or do you have any closing words, anything that you'd like to say? No, this, this is, you know, I consider this my contribution back to the whole be friends community. We've all gained so much from it and, and I've gained so much from it in, in so many ways. This is one way I can, I can give back a little bit. Um, I'm really not trying to grow my tax practice, quite frankly. Um, I'm more interested in growing my accounting and, and CFO services, supporting other small business owners. Um, so unfortunately, I'm not looking to grow a big book of, of, of tax, crypto tax um, business. But, you know, use the information that in the handout. Um, get a hold of one of the apps start getting a handle on where you stand today and then go talk to your current CPA, see if you get a feel that they have any comprehension at all about cryptocurrency and NFTs. And if not, start searching, start talking to someone else. Excellent. Sounds good. I don't think anyone can blame you for, for not wanting to take on a bunch of degenerate NFT traders as clients. <laughs> Davis, that's actually our cover. I have Tim on full full retainer, so if anybody wants him, they have to pay him. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. And, and Lots of knowledge. It's not that I don't want to uh, have degenerate NFT traders as clients. It's just that I'm really not interested in growing my tax tax practice. Fair enough, my friend. Good to have uh, good to have a perspective on that and know what it is. Um, well, alrighty, y'all. I'm going to wrap the room up. I appreciate everyone coming out. And Tim, thanks again. We've got a lot of folks in the audience. I'm sorry we didn't get to a couple of hands, um, but you guys are welcome to come back next week and we can chat about whatever your hearts desire. And um, I'll, I'll just mention one more time, if you're looking for this handout, um, you can probably just message Tim directly or you're welcome to join our Discord, which the link is in my Twitter bio and you can find the handout there. And uh, if you came late, this it was all recorded and so uh, stay in touch on, on where to find that. And we will see you next Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Sound good? Tim. Thank you, guys. Grand Poopa, so thank you Thank so you, much, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Davis. Good night, Good stuff. Thanks a lot.